Today on CityCast Boise, how do you help grow a local music scene? That's the question Eric Gilbert with Duck Club Entertainment has been trying to answer for the last dozen years. He joins us to talk about how the company has gone from a DIY crew to owning two venues and operating two festivals. It's Wednesday, February 28th. I'm Nick Kwa, and this is what Boise's talking about. It's such a pleasure to meet you because I'm like obviously so aware of Tree Four Music Hall and, mm-hmm. and Tree Four Festival. Uh, we've never met, but I've heard. I feel like I've heard so much about you. You know, partly <laughs> as a function of, of you know knowing folks who who are in yeah. the scene a little bit. But the thing that I always get confused, and it's not, so I want to start out with you walking me through some one hundred and one. Like there's Duck Club, there's Tree Four uh, Festival, there's Tree yep. Four Music Hall. Now, how do they relate to each other? So it's like Duck Club, the holding company. How do you how do you describe the structure? Yes. As- Essentially, and and Duck Club in name kind of got born actually after the first festival hmm. in as the promoter side because we didn't want to overuse Tree Fort throughout the year, but we wanted to follow up on the promise of helping talent develop Boise as a good market, both right. locally and from afar. So they were for a long time they were kind of same sort of company but separate, you know. But then when during the pandemic we sort of better consolidated now it was a duck club entertainment team that essentially oversees all those projects and, right and is essentially the holding company too but it is like the central management of the whole thing so if i see it in my head like this duck club and the arrow goes out and there's the booking that that books venues and then there's the hall itself and then there's the festival and the four yep. cards of festival now is tree fort and Flipside, which is the relatively yeah. new one over at garden city where did the name duck club come from so when i met laurie shandro and drew larona you know, they were in a parallel universe in 2011. And mm-hmm. um, Lori's late husband had passed passed away a couple of years prior. And so she was looking to open a venue at the time, but had no like experience in the music world other than being a fan. But uh, her late husband was part of a hunting club called the Duck Club. So she was going to name the venue at the time after that. And then when she met me, because people in the, in the industry and lo- locally were like, hey, you should maybe like connect with people that are active in the music scene. I sort of counterpitched the idea at the time because she was just like, can you help us with a few shows? And I was like, well, what about this little festival idea we've been thinking about? This was like early 2010s. You were sort of forming the idea. That was actually the summer of 2011. And so anyway, so we we created Treefort. And then after that first year, Treefort, prior to us starting Treefort, I was booking shows locally and was booking tours for bands under a thing I called Hella Bass at the time. And so after that first Treefort, I kind of presented to Lori like, hey, I want to just keep doing this. Um, and then we talked about using the Duck Club name for the for the year round side. So yeah. that's essentially the long story of where <laughs> Duck Club came from. So is there is there actually like a stuffed duck somewhere in the office? Is that is there is there a symbol a mascot? We're slowly collecting <laughs> ducks from like thrift stores and stuff. We have like brass ducks and silver ducks and yeah. That's really awesome. So I mean, it's fair to say that like so, Laurie Drew yourself like it's fair to say that your cohort has driven I think the development of Boise's local uh, indie music scene in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were sort of like describe what your mission statement is, what is the philosophy driving who you pick, how you pick, how you do things? Yeah. How would you how would you talk about that? Yeah, it's, I mean, to be frank, that's one thing we may be working to distill a little bit better. But I mm-hmm. think for us, I mean, it's it's from the get go was a scene development exercise. So it was really like, you know, I come out of the touring world, but I also grew up here in Boise and and really wanted Boise to be a better like place to either stay as a musician but also for musicians to play yeah. here for fans so it really has been 
very like an artist forward approach to how did you know how can we help develop a music scene that that works for the locals and also better develops it for the touring community so that's not maybe a mission statement per se but that's definitely our driving intention from the get-go and it's interesting how that has then folded into other you know, arts mediums and stuff with the way the festival has kind of organically developed. Right. A lot of stand up, a lot of, uh, I mean, you do some film for it as well, that, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I think for, so Megan Stahl, and she's one of the other co-founders and she's kind of been the, in a lot of ways, the one in the, the trenches with, with me from the get go a lot. And, you know, for us, it was also, how can we like develop a version of the industry that is inspiring to us and, and kind of like, you know, disruptive in a way that like, you know, there's, there's gotta be a better way, I guess. So I think Boise lends itself in its entrepreneurial spirit to try some new things. And so for us, it's very very kind of purpose-based in the experience for us and the experience for for others. And then the rest of it's kind of unfolded around that. So yeah, I'm going to ask you a galaxy brain question. And cause it's something I'm like generally kind of interested Mm -hmm. in. How would you define a scene? Like what, what makes up a scene? The word gets overused a lot, Mm -hmm. but I think it describes it well, but it, it has to be like an ecosystem. It has to have balance. It has to have biodiversity. You know, like any- <laughs> you, you want some some plants going on. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and so, and that's one thing. Like you know, there's I've kind of gotten involved in music policy worlds, and a lot of it looks at that as like you know, you need to have venues of all different sizes, mm-hmm. and then you need to have you know, so you have to have people that are more kind of behind the scenes as much as people that are on stages, right. And that's one of the things as the scene has developed, one thing I love now with the spaces we've opened, also taking, you know, develop, taking over the Shriners and now with the Shrine Social Club is there's not only more stage opportunities, but there's more opportunities in back of house. It was like we have a bunch of young people shadowing with us on the production side. And those opportunities were hard to come by here for a long time. And Right. You would have to go to like Seattle or Portland or something to get those reps in basically, something like that. Yeah. And then, and then there's, I mean, so yeah, it's a big ecosystem. And so, so for us, there was like, there were missing pieces, right. In the Boise ecosystem mm-hmm. 10 to 15 years ago. And, um, and sometimes that exists. There's like gaps on the media side, there's gaps on, you know, talent on the photography and videography side. And, you know, so it's like, it's cool to see how much, it has flourished in all those different areas, and there's still gaps. We're coming up to Tree Fort Music Fest in a couple of weeks, and you know, Duck Club stages it, uh, and it, so it's like at this point, it's the 12th iteration. Yep. Of, yeah. Yeah. Well, congr- <laughs> congratulations, first of all. Um, yeah. So I think you mentioned earlier that um, Lori's original idea was open a venue first, right? and mm-hmm. and then this sort of festival came uh, mm-hmm. like as a you know maybe as a, as a ladder wrap, or was it like yeah. you know it's sort of like can we test this first? Well, how how did that how did yeah. the festival thing come first? Yeah. So, you know, like she, she found me as I was kind of really active in the music scene at the time. And it was sort of like, Hey, can you help us put on a couple of shows? Cause mm-hmm. we're interested in opening a venue and we need to know what that's like and test the market. Right. So Treefort became that test of the market. And then it became, it became a life of its own. Like it kind of surprised us what, what happened with that. And so for five or six years, we didn't even like the venue was, we was no longer part of the plan. Like we weren't even talking about it. It was like sheer momentum from the festival, basically. Yeah. I was like, okay, here there's, yeah, exactly. Let's, let's follow this mo- momentum. But then it started becoming like, okay, how do we better stabilize our team and the business? And, and really as, as we were seeing, you know, the music scene grow and, and the city grew, we, we sort of realized it'd be good for us to also have some permanence in that scene. So then, then we started looking for potential partners to, do uh, venue projects. So about 2017, 18, we started re- revisiting that and then pandemic stalled it. But then that was kind of when we had the time to sort of rethink our whole plan. So actually, so back in 17, 18, like was, 
what would the other places you were looking at like where where could have the other version of the tree for music hall have been <laughs> yeah totally so there were a few different versions in bodo in particular and part of it was finding the right partners right mm-hmm. but there was a, there was a building actually next to the old main stage that we were really tr- trying you know in some ways that would have been an I- ideal for us because we'd really develop the personality there it was always had to be in downtown boise so we didn't really look at we there was a couple places we looked like a little fur- further out but doing what we do with the festival and stuff we wanted to keep it in the core of the city and so yeah yeah, uh, yeah. if at risk of, of being a little too wonky like how did that specific space pop up because you're right next to the you're right next to the cinema now and you're it's, it's like yeah. kind of a central area so we met the development partner who is this company called Hendrix and they mm-hmm. had taken over that building and they'd been to the festival a few times and we we just started talking with them and they were intrigued thinking that someone like us could be a good anchor tenant in a broader yeah. de- development. Now to be to be frank like Bodo was not a place that I typically came a lot. I grew up here and I know the area but it wasn't a place I went so I think it wouldn't have been top of mind where we would have sought but in the end, it was like, okay, how can we be part of a bigger project and bring value to someone else and bring value to an area? And I do love the notion now that we essentially flipped a big box store, which was an office <laughs> deep, deep, That's, depot. That was the Staples? Was that what it no, was? No, it was an office depot. Office depot. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but to turn that now into an art space and a gathering space, yeah. in, you know, in a place that, you know, uh, when it, there was an office deep, depot by seven o'clock, it was dark, you, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. it really changes the neighborhood. And then it was cool to find a development project or part partner and one thing that's cool they're they're based in wisconsin so they're not a local d- developer but they mm-hmm. get localism and are really like passionate yeah. about wa- finding local partners and so they saw the value in what we had d- developed and that's kind of how it came together yeah it's, it's hard not to see the genetic symbolism of taking over an office depot and making it to an art i love team. it i love it i love it it's great is it is it riskier to run a venue versus running a music festival like how does that you know, having your hand in both spaces now. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I think they have different risks and different challenges. I think the with the music festival, it's like you spend 360 days mm-hmm. planning something that happens over five days. And right. there's there's more risk in that because, you know, it it better be the best weather. It better be everything all in these, these five days. Right. All your chips in one pot. Exactly. Um, but then I think, you know, running a venue and that has ongoing overhead and different challenges. And then, yeah, I think, you know, the, you, you, you also have to be open on way more often on days that aren't optimal and stuff right. like that. And right. I don't know if you know, but with the, we also have Hap Hap Lounge on top of the the music hall, which has been, a, it's been a cool new experience for us to have like a year round business and that, yeah. that's open six days a week. And, um, and it's just, you know, we do events, but it's mostly non-ticketed, which is kind of different for us. And it's been really cool. Beautiful space, great patio when it's not snowing and cold and the trivia nights on Tuesday. Fantastic. <laughs> yes, big, big fan. Yes. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> How has the first year of the music hall gone? Like, uh, has it been booking well? Like what's, what's, what's the energy now? Yeah, the energy's been good. You know, and I think we, we're patient. Word's spreading amongst the broader industry too. Like more and more talent or, you know, like want to make this their stop and, Right. And that's, you know, for us, once again, like everything we've been doing, the scene is about aug- augmenting what's all- already here. And, mm-hmm. you know, basically, and so I think we're just seeing between what we've done and I think other people putting energy and there's just very, a lot of growing interest from the artist community throughout the country to want to stop in Boise. There's more yeah. opportunity for them here. And so um, artists have been loving it. I mean, it's really cool back a house with showers and laundry and good green rooms and the sound and lights are 
great. And so yeah. we get lots of positive feedback from both fans and, and our artists, but it also takes time just to get it up. It's we're, this year is very exciting to us because last year, you know, half app didn't open until July. So we were under construction half right. the year. So this year it's exciting. Okay. Everything's built. We can just like run it now. And, and, uh, that feels good to the team. You know, it was a big right. year for the team last, last year for sure. So you mentioned a little uh, earlier that Treefort Music Hall isn't just the only venue that you're operating now. You're taking over uh, the old Alcora Shrine. I love the yeah. basement. The basement feels like yes. somebody's like basement from the 70s and oh, it's, it's absolutely yeah. rules. Um, <laughs> tell me a little bit more about why the Shrine building. Like, so it feels mm-hmm. like the expansion of your real estate footprint is very, very quick. <laughs> a lot of it in a yes. very, very small amount of time. So tell me a little bit about yes. the thinking there. I, if it was up to us, we wouldn't have done it all in the same year. But the, the, <laughs> the Shriners decided it was time to sell right when we were building Music Hall. And yeah. so for us, at least initially on helping procure the Shrine with a partner, was that um, it was a preservation project because most mm-hmm. of the other offers were going to scrape it. Because in a c- city like Boise that's growing, like the dirt under a building like that is worth more than the building itself. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it was preservation first. But also, we've always loved using it and you know, for us, it, it also just expanded the all ages options. You mentioned the basement. I just right. love that, you know, having a 250 cap, like, like all ages space is, is super important in, in, a, in yeah. a develop, in a developing scene. And then, and then also to have the, the ballroom upstairs and it just, it, it just kind of creates that sort of nice venue ladder for people to kind of grow here. And, and I just, we just love that. There's not a lot of old buildings in, in Boise. No, not at all. And, yeah. Know, so I mean, looking at sort of like buildings being built up and developed downtown, it's like they're all the sort of shiny, uh, you know, design of the 2020s. <laughs> yeah, which I'm cool. I like I like growth. I think it's good. I just also want to preserve some of these special places we have, you know, mm-hmm. like with the record exchange across the street from the shrine. And um, we're working with City of Good, who are going to start running the uh, kitchen at um, and run their food hub out of the, the basement of the shrine, too. And, that's all food's going to be fully active here in a couple of weeks. So, all right. And are um, the trainers still in the building or are they, are they, have they found other space? You know, part of, so what they were looking to do it, you know, with their aging demographic, they, they, they actually have a new location. Um, so El Cora Shrine is their proper name and it is now on Fairview out kind of near Milwaukee. They moved. Got think, it. Yes. But they still, part of the agreement with them is they still use the space for some of their ceremonies and some of their mm-hmm. e, e events and stuff. So they'll, they'll come downtown for that, but they move their office and some of their more regular right. activities out to the new, the new location. Yeah. So I imagine, I mean, like my understanding of, or my impression of the music business, let alone uh, a venue <laughs> business is that the margins are, are tough. <laughs> you know, it's, yes. Good observation. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, econ 101, I guess. Yes. yes. Uh, and, you know, given a fast expansion, I imagine a lot of the, the sort of developments of the past couple of years, um, you know, required investment, right? And uh, I think yep. raised some money from um, Andy Scoggin, who's a for, speaking of Elbertson, like a former Elbertson's exec, um, yep. has, a, have an, has an investment business. What yep. can you share about that investment partnership? Like, uh, how involved are they? How how much is investment? How, how would you yeah. describe that? Yeah. So, for one, also our development partner, Treefort Music Hall, they essentially invested a lot in the building itself. But then, mm-hmm. with the relatively small investor um, group we put together, that Andy Scoggin is the lead investor for, it you know it was more money than we'd ever raised. The investors that we knew would understand what we're doing, and for a lot of them it was more about the impact that we have on the community than the return on their money. Now it is what they liked about it is it was also not just giving their money away. There is a return on their money, but I think Andy 
really leading that mentality in a lot of ways um, of like, hey, this doesn't have to be the highest monetary return. We have other opportunities to accomplish that. But with this opportunity, like what is the cultural and community impact that that uh, and, you know, that we've shown over the years and helping knowing that putting their money to work for that. It gives me a lot of optimism. Like, I really think like the private sector needs to better understand like how they can actually put their money to work in, right. in positive ways for their money, but also for for the things they want to see in their community. Because traditionally, like arts funding is in the nonprofit sector and it's just managed and 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 delivered in a way different way. Right. Like it's mostly grants and it's mostly a longer term cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of limitations to that. And then and and then on the private sector, like the, the venture capitalist side, it's like, what's the highest re- right. re- re- return? And so somewhere in the middle where you start doing that, because especially in like music and film, right. like it's a very entrepreneurial, like it's very often like a for-profit world right? with tiny margins. Like it's not like, <laughs> it's like no one's, you know? So I think really like the, the fluency of local capital understanding like how to how to participate in that locally is exciting right. to to me and i think that's one of the maybe the wins of the recent project speaking of econ 101 right like like investors tend to really determine the long-term fate or the sort of collapse of a, of a thing right so like i don't know when i think about the the usual arc of a lot of well-known music festivals like i'm thinking about yeah. the not the you know shade or anything but the coachellas and all and uh you know a lot of paloozas and stuff the the turn always happens with like major corporate sponsorship. Yep. Was there ever a moment in which like you 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 know you considered like <laughs> taking capital one money or something? Not you know not to specify any individual source, but like was that was that something that that ever crossed as a possibility? I mean, I think we will consider all things, but but it has to be against this lens of like. It, it, it can't compromise our core mission and our mm-hmm. promise to the community, right? To be who we are, and so. Um, if someone is willing to be a good partner to that, I think we're not closed off to it, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And if we work with, you know, local corporations or sometimes there's there's bigger names that are involved, it's it's on our terms of like helping us accomplish these goals. And, and I think that's something we bring for other brands, right? It's like, okay, well, you know, we're trying to be a better brand here right. in in like Boise. And these 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 folks can help help show that we're trying. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, actually want to learn a bit more about you specifically. So you're the the lead talent buyer at Duck Club. Uh, you, you do you you've mentioned that you've worked at festivals. You get used to do booking for for touring. How do you end up um, in this path? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> a long time ago, I was I was with well with my wife Lisa. I just wanted to play one live show in a band and. Uh, I put the work into doing that, and ever since then, it's <laughs> I got I, I accomplished my goal a long time ago. So um, it sort of just put put me on this path of chasing music. What was your What was the scene? What was your music? I had a band called Finn Riggins that was based out of here. We were kind of we were a trio, as my wife and I, and and a, and a drummer, and kind of um, eclectic indie rock, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term. But I play key, keyboards. I, I actually just was on tour last weekend. I'm in a band called Floating Witches Head now. Like, with our organization, it's maybe a little hokey, but. I think when putting together any sort of business or, or organization, I, I think of it kind of like putting together a band. Like you mm-hmm. want pe- people with diverse skill sets, but most importantly, you want people you can get along with and are going to try hard and you can kind of accomplish a lot. So our whole team is built from folks that are basically learned on the field with yeah. us. And, and uh, so my path, I was an engineering student before I decided to pursue oh, yeah. music. <laughs> yeah. Like I, in, I interned at my, at Micron after my freshman year and, 
decided I, I, I had a realization that I had, I had time to try some other things before I could. And so I've been trying it the music yeah. world since. And so, yeah. <laughs> so you know, you never left that trying period, that, that, that experimentation period. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely didn't set out to like someday I'm going to start a music festival yeah. and own and operate a few different venues. That stuff has sort of found its way to me over time. Yeah. So back when you were playing like in bands here in like, you know, regionally, but in Boise, like what were the venues that you could play at here in Boise? So we would play Neuralux a lot. We played mm-hmm. Visual, Visual Arts Collective in Garden City. Yeah, two, two fine institutions. Yeah. To be honest with you, I, so I grew up in the suburbs here. So I like to say I grew up in suburban anywhere. And I mm-hmm. didn't really, so I didn't, I mean, even though I grew up in quote unquote Boise, it didn't feel like, like I didn't really know Boise as the city that it is. Right. And so when I started coming back and started playing Visual Arts Collective, that was the first place that kind of gave me some real promise. I was like, oh, wow, Boise is cool. Like, what's what's mm-hmm. going on here again? So those were kind of two primary places. We were on a label out of Portland, so we actually spent... A lot of people thought we were a Portland band back at that time, even though <laughs> our address was still here in, yeah. in Idaho. But It's interesting how often that happens. Like, Boise bands get coded as, like, a Seattle-Portland band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the things, especially in the last couple of years, with places like Realms opening and the Shredders got great and... uh is there's more small cap all ages opportunities here than there ever mm-hmm. has been, and that's really there's so much young talent here right now, and a lot in yeah. large part because there's there's space for them to exist in, right. and it's been really cool to see that you know with Shrine Basement and the Shrine in general, and it's just I, I was talking to some other folks the other day who've been in the scene even longer than me, and they're like this is the best they've seen the Boise music scene ever. Yeah. Just it's just you know there's like a lot of cooperation and everyone's it's everyone's you know really throwing in their hat and putting mm-hmm. a lot of en- energy in. So it's good. I feel like when we were first coming back here and playing, it was just like some jadedness and skepticism. And mm-hmm. there's still a lot of people like leaving the city. I use an anecdote all the time about, um, we were on tour in 2010 and there was this Michigan reporter asked us what it was like coming from a musically devoid state like Idaho. <laughs> and it, and, I mean, that, that was the nature of what people thought of the yeah. Idaho music scene at the time. It just was not visible. And I think obviously we've played a large role in that, but a lot of others too. And Idaho and Boise are thought of as a music city now. It's like a, a place that is, if you're a Boise band now, you're like, oh, you're in Boise. I hear Boise is cool as opposed to like, Boise, why do you live there? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, there's a sense that between all the venues now, there's enough, there's enough business to go around. Well, that's the thing is, I, I think, think music. This is back to your question about scenes too. Mm-hmm. Like, like venues thrive when other there when there's more venues, not actually when there's less venues, because it starts creating like it's just the scene is kind of dead and people yeah. aren't seeking it as much, right? Now, you some of the venues have been around a long time; they may question that philosophy but i i think it's (laughs) (laughs) but i do think it's true and you see it right now like the boise music scene is thriving and it has more venues than it's ever had well speaking of the arco grove because like i feel like it's very common uh and having moved through like art scenes of my own it's like when a thing gets big enough you know the the sort of uh original participants or veteran participants of the scene it's like oh yeah it lost its soul or like it's it's losing a certain like je ne sais quoi or something yeah how do you think about that kind of arc because at some point growth is important you want to support more people but there are ways in which growth like shaves away certain characteristics certain identifiers how do you think about stuff like that i mean tying it back to the festival a little bit the way we like to think of it is we are amplifying what makes Boise great, but also being aspirational about what's possible with, with mm-hmm. it. And so what I see right now, at least in the music scene, is there's a lot of, and I'm one of them, really, I'm older now, but there's folks that have been in the, you know, the music generation before me too, that are active 
And I think I was talking about this last weekend, actually, there's real like multi-generational re- respect, right? Mm-hmm. The, the people who have been part of the scene for a long time are, are, are also reaping the benefits too. That There's little less like just like sitting on the sidelines and feeling like they got left behind, I guess. Yeah. So I think that's a real positive thing. Um, but I also think that to your point, like growth is good and growth is inevitable. And I think it's good to have respect for the past, but to just lament, like I, I always, this always drives me nuts with like my in-laws or somebody just being like, um, <laughs> being like back in our day, it was so much better. And I was like, well, I can list a lot of reasons. It wasn't that better. <laughs> there were good things about it, but there's yeah. also good things about now. So like, I guess I get, I, I, uh, no, I, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Uh, how would you, I mean, okay. What's next? What's, what's, how we, should we think about what comes next for y'all? Yeah. I think for us this year is very much like a focus and consolidate and really just like, you, you know, let's like make, you know, we last year was, like you said, we grew real fast mm-hmm. and it wasn't necessarily by, by design. It was sort of out of necessity with how things were moving in, in the city. And, um, I, I'm really looking forward to downtown Boise really. Like, I think it's a whole new era is right on its doorstep right, right now. And it's, right. we're excited to be a part of that and, um, hoping like all of us in the small business world downtown can survive and, and thrive. So right. I think, so for us, it's very much like, Okay, no new projects this, this year. <laughs> Let's stabilize the ship. Let's stabilize the ship. And so, you know, especially last year, we had to move the main stage for the festival. I mean, it was yeah. just a lot, of, a lot of change all at the same time. And so, um, which was exciting and great. I'm impressed at how well the team did with it. But this year is like, let's just find our, our stride a little bit. And, yeah. You know, maybe take some breaks every once in a while. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. This is, uh, this is super fun. Yeah, same, Nick. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend about us? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more local stories from around the city. Bye.